Welcome to If Blackbirds Were Ducks. So, Tom, your uh, your daughter's allergic to fish. Yep, that's right. pretty uh, ironic. Yeah, I don't know. I got the. Uh, I have a picture on my phone here. I can show you too. It was a uh, real, real swollen up. I think. I think uh, it's worth it. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> now I was just talking. It, it reminds me of Jake Lingren. He's like an avid fisherman or. Used to be an avid fisherman, kinda, and he uh, <laughs> he doesn't eat fish, so that's kind of a maybe she'll end up being like him. Yeah, yeah, Good and uh, I was glad I was glad I, you know, seen her on the on the first bite too. It, uh, you, you know, just have so much fishing in your genetics; it just must have passed down that yeah. half fish, half man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Viking DNA or something must not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she can only just eat raw fish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe she's a sushi eater. I have to move to the coast. Well, I don't know if you can see the. Holy. Wow. Yeah. From one bite. Cheeks. One bite. First, first what, ever bite. What species? Like drum or gar? Or I don't know. Walleye. Yeah. <laughs> walleye dude <laughs> yeah i know that makes sense the walleye master himself thomas larson you know his daughter's only eating the best <laughs> cheeks only <laughs> yeah so uh it's just kind of funny like i was sitting here i've been bored the past couple weeks and really been missing ice fishing with you guys figured i'd get you guys on the podcast plus tom we haven't podcasted together yet. Yeah. And I was like, we got to do some podcasting. So here we are. See, Eric, you got the whiskey and walleye hat on. It's good to see you. Yeah. I like that. What guy. are you that rocking? Cool. Uh, sword? sword fishing products. Yeah. Okay. Are those the knives or the sunglasses? Yeah. yeah the knives. They're the really knives good guys too. Yeah. Good guys. Um, But anyway, yeah, I figured we'd hop on here and talk about fishing yeah how's a guy like you get bored though you're doing something every week how'd you get bored and think about ice fishing in like like two days i get bored (laughs) (laughs) i try to i try to keep doing something but um kind of running out of ideas here right now waiting for for bear season and stuff which is sweet because it's march already i don't know why i look over there at my calendar but it's march First, (laughs) just reminded myself April's a month away for you guys. Uh, you're in like a, what are you in late ice? What's going on there? You guys catching fish? Well, I know you are. Cause I see that you are. I know there's a hellacious crappie bite. There is a hellacious <laughs> crappie bite. It is slowing down though. Um, no surprise. It is, it is slowing down. It's not as good as it used to be, but I mean, when, you get that many anglers in one spot it's uh it's easy to deplete a population yeah Uh, we were talking uh tom and i before you hopped on eric about just that cyclical uh nature of those glacial lakes Mm -hmm. up there and just how it's so on par from the last time like it's in the same cycle as the last time 
that those crappies went off perch too. You see that big influx of perch populations. Um, Really what it boils down to is those high water years that we saw. What, how long ago was that? Four years ago. Yeah. 2017, I think. So even, even, yeah, five, five years ago, five, six years ago. And then you're really seeing that recruitment and that just boom come from those high water years. Pretty interesting. You know, we look at also, you say 2017. I wonder what that that's like as far as the vegetation goes. Um, did Tom, you know a lot about this stuff. Fisheries guy like you. Uh, that green living vegetation, when it's freshly flooded, is that better for their spawning habitat or is it more like dead sticks and stuff like that? Um, either either one will work i think uh usually it's uh early before uh the vegetation's coming up and then uh i think what makes the biggest difference uh they they seem to be able to lay their eggs you know every year but uh um when that fry for it to for a large percentage of them to live I, that uh terrestrial vegetation so when like that yeah. little stuff on shore gets flooded oh, okay kind of gets uh gets it going at the base level, you know, that's really good for the phytoplankton with the zooplankton eats with the fry eat. So yeah. I think I've always been told that that's what, uh, the best thing about a flood or any sort of fluctuating water. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's like broodering habitat. Yes. Same as like a duck. Yep. Yeah. Pretty. Also, much. also cover, I guess you would think with that, all that habitat in there, they're not just out on the edge somewhere in a ball. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Tom, what do you know about, on this topic, what do you know about, like, freshwater shrimp and how they cycle in lakes? Because it seems like some of the lakes we used to fish, I mean, back in the day, you guys can all attest to this, you drill a whole bunch of freshwater shrimp come out of those same lakes, you don't see that anymore. Did the fish, like, eat all those? Were they around when that high water year came around and then their cycles ending or like, where did those go? What's happened with that? Can you touch on that Tom? Or do you know anything on that? Hey, I don't, I, I know that I've seen the same thing that you have where there's not, doesn't seem to be as many and uh, you might not be able to replicate uh, a brand new lake. You sure. know, I think, you know, that's his, um, that's where I've always seen the most of them, you know, like dry, to those f- fresh lakes that get bigger that they have those big influxes and then yeah, five ten, years later they're just not as five to yeah, ten years later it's just not as prevalent as it used to be yeah and uh i have never actually heard anyone say that though so i'm but that's just kind of a a guess i guess you sure. know if you, if you had ever talked to like brian blackwell at, in webster he he is he knows so much about that stuff he would sure answer he'd be a good one to talk to but it uh, i definitely know exactly what you're talking about you don't i haven't drilled a single hole this year and had a bunch come piling out i i don't know no no they're not in your hole or anything like that just interesting what what caused that or you know where we're at in a cycle now or if it'll come back like that or if it takes another high water year for those to like reintroduce to the system yeah i don't i don't know enough about them i don't know yeah that's interesting the uh, I was just thinking, uh, perch wise, are you catching perch anywhere this year? Well, you don't have to say where, but are you catching perch this year? Like a, a couple good, spots, like it's a good been bite. 
type deal or no? One spot, and now most people know about it. Sure. I mean, there's been a couple decent perch bites, but there's been one specific good one, and now it has slowed down because, I mean, there's been over a 1,000 people going to the spot. Yeah. Until this recent snow, which is going to save a lot, a lot of fish's lives, this recent snow, because truck travel is close to impossible. Not impossible, but close to it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I was, uh, I saw your weather. Didn't look that fun. Tough out there. Big drifts, a lot of drifts. I mean, the accesses are in real rough shape. You pretty much have to have a track, track vehicle to get around on. We made it out the last couple of days and seen a few trucks. Most of the trucks were digging out. Oh, right on. Hmm. So sounds miserable. It'll um, save a lot of fish's lives, though. Yeah, <laughs> Some of those good. hot bites will, will be good through the month of March and those fish will be safe and drop those eggs and should be good for next year. That's a bizarre phenomenon of that part of the country. As you know, these lakes are cyclical or for whatever reason they bite. Like literally the fish can be there in the surveys and them not bite. And when one goes off, it's like you, Madhouse. you, you can't keep it a secret. You do for like a week. Some of them you can. I shouldn't say that. But when they get in found, today's like, day and age, it's, everybody, it's everybody, everybody talks about it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough to keep anything under wraps anymore. That's for sure. I remember it's back in, in college, our like one, our one good one was right by Brookings. <laughs> our night bite giant walleye spot. That was sick. It was so obvious, but people just weren't really fishing it. It was very not awesome. time of the night. No, not it was, not it was at, pretty untouched. Not at 10, 11 p.m. <laughs> that was sweet. Those are good times. I haven't seen any of them pictures for a long time. I'd be cool to look at. Look back at those. Mm-hmm. Look at a few scrubs holding <laughs> walleyes. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're probably still wearing some of those pictures. You're still wearing the same pajama pants you are on this <laughs> podcast, right? Absolutely. Now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, I don't hit up the clothing stores very often. <laughs> this hoodie, this hoodie, the Lake Area Walleye Club hoodie. I've had this thing for <laughs> seven, eight years. <laughs> so it looks good. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny thinking too. We used to fish, well, you guys might still. There were a couple of times we fished ice fishing tournaments and this brought something up. I, I bring this up to Carrie like once a month. So Eric, you remember whenever Carrie screwed us out of winning that uh, tournament? Cause he was officiating it. When we got first place and let somebody weigh in and close to five minutes after. I think it was like nine minutes after for the record mm-hmm. when the person rolled in, but they had battery troubles was their claim. And Carrie goes, late. Carrie just says, Oh, that's fine. Oh, that's fine. I don't care. Sure. You beat Eric. Go ahead. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> got Still me got second, though. <laughs> and we need a good second. That was a grinder. What did we catch that time? One perch and one walleye? One perch, one walleye, and then some pike. And I'm pretty that's sure that same same tournament, Tom had their auger stoddard fire. You did. 
Remember that? And someone concert? and someone's foot got stuck. Yeah, in the hole, did your foot sure. get stuck in an ice hole then? I don't remember my foot getting stuck. I remember having to throw the auger down. It was on fire. Isn't it like a brand new auger too? Yeah. Something uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know. We uh the rope caught on fire. I still don't know what happened. <laughs> the rope caught on fire. Yeah. Big pretty big flame. <laughs> Really limited our holes for that day too. <laughs> Remember that one that we uh, uh, fished overnight at Thompson, and you ate a snicker for like twenty four hours of fishing, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> that's the Thomas Larson classic. Is the uh, the the two? Well, now it's two pounders of Red Bull and one Snickers, one King during size. the day, <laughs> and then at night one full pizza. <laughs> one frozen pizza. Hashtag, hashtag guide life. My uh, diet's a lot better now that I'm married. No, that's good. Woman keeps you in keeps you in shape. I'm assuming. Yeah, we cook. We cook a lot. That's Who's good. the cooker? I I think about fifty fifty probably. Sure. Nice. Yeah. You uh you been hitting the open water yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be uh, below Fort Randall is pretty good, and then uh, Gavin's. It, the water's too low, so the both the ramps there, right close. You uh, you can't get your boat in. They have them closed off, and haven't scooped them. Nothing. Don't want people going in there. But if you really wanted to fish it, you could put in in Yankton and then run all the way up. But I haven't I haven't done that yet. It's it's probably four feet lower than when you guys were there last. Oh, really? Yeah, so that was fun when we were there last time. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. a good bite. I mean, a lot of action for sure. Yeah, yeah. all kinds yeah. of all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> all sorts there. of action. It's, it's hard to beat Sauger in the winter. They seem to be about most aggressive, maybe as they are all year. I don't know something about them. They are. Uh, they're a, they're January, pretty. March. Yeah, definitely. Very cool fish. And like like a nineteen twenty inch sauger is like a trophy, and you catch them regularly. Yeah, yeah. I think what is a master angler twenty one or twenty two? But yeah, twenty incher is nice. Yeah, big, big fish. Yeah, definitely. I think if like people from like Illinois and stuff like that that fish in Iowa and stuff, if they caught a twenty incher, they'd be like, "Holy shit!" You know, because yeah. a lot of them are like thirteen, fourteen inches. Seems like that they're catching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, there's there's a really good last fall was an awesome sauger bite too up on Moose and Clark. So there's there's a lot around right now. Nice. Mm-hmm. Fort Randall's been mainly all walleye, a few sauger, but mostly walleye. Nice. Mm-hmm. What's the water level like there? Similar or is it like four foot lower? It's, it's low. They're running an average of eight thousand cubic feet per second per day. So I mean, it's it's low. You. Uh, I can't remember when we were there last, what it, how, what it was, but, uh, you'd have to, you know, if you were going into that other spillway, you gotta go right. You know, you gotta take a path. You can't just go over those rocks or nothing. It's it's really low. It should be. You said it was clear, right? Really clear this year. Mm -hmm. Is that, has it gotten dirtier with any runoff or not? Um, I haven't been there for three or four days, but it was still real clear when I was there last. You could see about 15 foot down. 
It should be filling up pretty quick, though. I mean, snowpack wise. Yeah, I would. I um, I heard the mountains were getting a lot of snow and stuff, but yeah, they haven't they haven't started running water yet. I don't know what their mm. the plan is. I haven't checked the that outlook deal what they got online. I should look and see what they're when they're going to start running water. But you think with March first, it's getting to that period where they might start yeah. running a little more and mm-hmm. when they do that bite. Oh yeah, they start biting a lot better. A lot better. <laughs> Yeah, it's a um it's a very how do we say it? What's what are you good at as far as you know, I'm kind of an aggressive fisherman. What are you? Finesse. 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 That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's the finesse guy. And that bite's a finesse bite. That's for so, sure. If you don't got it, you're t- you're in yeah, you're you in the world got, hurt if you don't know what's going on. You don't you don't just show up and smack them. No, you watch Tom catch a lavender or one. You know what are you doing different? <laughs> Just moving it slow. Tom, how does that how does that go when you're guiding people who can't who can't figure it out? Are you? I I'm guessing. Well, I do know you. You're very patient uh, and a good teacher. So uh, does it frustrate the clients? Do you get frustrated? Well, no, I don't get frustrated. Really, the uh, the whole point is for them to. Um, have fun and catch fish. So even if, you know, our boat in particular could catch a lot more with everyone fishing, you know, that they don't, no one likes to watch you catch them. So I I usually just, uh, a lot of times I'll catch a couple or even with a live scope. Now you don't even have to really catch them that much. You can, you know, everyone knows they're right there. So yeah, just sit there. And I mean, as much as you can hold it and not move it is usually the, the key. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it does. I mean, it, it is, uh, there's definitely a knack to it. It's a eight ounce jig or lighter in uh pretty moderate current. So most, most of the time, if people haven't really fished like that, you, uh, it does, there is a learning curve, you know, it's, it's tougher than, uh, you think if, you know, until you catch a couple and then you get the hang of what's, what's happening. And it's pretty, pretty fun after that, but yeah, there's definitely a learning curve. So you're running an eight ounce jig or lighter. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, um, you can use heavier, but a lot of times you don't seem to get that as many bites and the ones that you do, you don't catch them because, um, they don't, you know, when they open their flare, their gills and suck the jig in with it, with that lighter of a weight, it goes a lot farther in their mouth, Mm. you know, therefore you can catch them. Really stick them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fun too about vertical jigging, but. Mm-hmm. just freaking wham right in the roof of the mouth <laughs> i love that that's definitely I, I, not <laughs> as finesse the vertical jigging <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't gotten in on much of that yet this spring i haven't uh been to gavin's or uh in the heavier current or nothing i haven't haven't got a good vertical jigging bike. there's probably no boats down there then if they can't get in right there may be a few guys running up or yeah much zero all- boat traffic it's all it's all John boats, but very few, maybe two or three on a weekend. You know, I bet it's good. I, yeah, definitely. I don't. I would imagine they're catching them too. I haven't heard any reports, but love to go try it. If they got that one gate trickling, probably get them <laughs> all in front of that one. Yeah. <laughs> There's nice. always some good sights below Gavin's too. You never. <laughs> You want to watch the shore and oh god, that one guy. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. All right, so we got to tell that story. Um, so we were fishing, 
you're catching all kinds of stuff, carp and whatnot. And uh, what? How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, what did I say? Or something. No, he had a catfish, and I was all excited <laughs> about the size of his catfish. I was there's a guy on shore in like in jeans, I think is what they were. <laughs> no belt or loose belt. Uh, and he was holding. He caught like maybe a twelve pound catfish or something. So I was like, "Damn, that's a nice catfish!" And as soon as as soon as these guys turned around. He bent over and his ass was hanging out of his pants. <laughs> like full ass. We were only like 15 on. yards away. I mean, we were close. I mean, we were staring right at the moon. <laughs> it was a full one, too. <laughs> large, large ass. Uh, Eric said that's the worst moon I've seen in all life. <laughs> Man, it was just right there. We were so close. Whoa! <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, that was good. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Tom, I was driving by, well, along the Columbia on the way to Oregon last week. Looks fun. Oh, yeah. Were there large. boats out there, too? Anybody or nothing? No, I, no, it's completely wide open. You know, it's not even freezing in that valley. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and and supposedly right now is like go time for the big ones, and there was no one. So this was but like a year I ago wasn't up. That yeah. Hofer and his crew were out there fishing that the Columbia River. Oh, really? They were out there like a year ago today. Yeah, really. Did did decent call like one fourteen pounder, but it's interesting they were doing like exclusively night trolling. Night lead out there night lead core. Mm, some lead core, but I mean pretty just straightforward i mean talking to those guys that went out there i mean they were talking like nothing really special to it they were just going out there at night just trolling doing the same thing over and over again i mean they they were talking the ones that went out there would be way more fun to go out there and like do it yourself because the guys that they were with were mostly like salmon fishermen or trout fishermen that were just mostly targeting stuff out there that did walleyes like on the side and I mean, they talked about how it'd be fun to go back out there and like cast for them and not trill specifically like at night because I mean, they're catching them just like all the walleyes we catch. And but when they went out there, they did exclusively like a night trip. Well, I've be, heard I've heard that from a lot of guys that fishing is that we should go out there and do it sometime. Be fun. I know that's why I was bringing it up because I'm hoping I'm hoping you know, one day uh, it'll come out. You know Bill Saunders, the guy who owns the call company guy. I know who it is. I don't know him. Christian's yeah, he, really good buddies with him. He wins a lot of walleye tournaments out there. Oh, they have tournaments? I, I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty – I think they're decent-sized ones or something. But, yeah, apparently that guy is really good. You know, you check a lot of them. You know, they're, he's, his name's up towards the top almost every time. Mm. They ever do it? They ever do an NWT there ever? Have they ever done one? No, no, I don't think so. But regionally, yeah, I don't, I don't know much about it. I just uh, Brian Bell was talking about it a lot and head to head on his podcast, and then I see him a little bit too. He's from out there, and he was telling me about it and stuff. So, yeah, but, yeah, pretty cool. Looks uh, like some monster fish out there. Yeah, that's something I want to do. Yeah. But I, but I have heard that night trolling is like this time of year, like 
they catch a lot of big ones that way. Really? But I mean, you could. I'm sure you could catch them in the daytime. Right. That was like their biggest thing is like their walleyes. I mean, it's like what we deal with here. I mean, they were just yeah. exclusively doing it at night because that's what the guides wanted to do with them. I and that was like their main question. Like, why can't we go out there now and catch them? You know, like midday while they were doing like stuff. they were doing, weren't doing anything else. They're right. Like, like well, we'll go to lunch. I guess we'll go to supper. <laughs> Walk around. I guess we'll get drunk in the eight, morning. Eight o'clock. Hopefully we're not drunk by the evening. <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I don't know why you wouldn't fish the whole time. Right. <laughs> I know you would. Why would I sleep? <laughs> I'm here to catch giant Well, definitely, definitely Tom would. <laughs> Tom wouldn't sleep. He wouldn't. There'd be like two 16-ounce Red Bulls every eight hours. Yeah. He'd be good. Four-hour increments. Yeah. <laughs> Day four, yeah. he'd grind down, but he'd already have like probably four 14-pounders, so it wouldn't matter. That's right. <laughs> Nap the whole way home. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen you nap on in the truck before while you're driving. <laughs> Coming back from fishing trips or hunting trips, generally. Tom has an interesting thing too. He's adapted well. Um, he'll take a sleeping bag wherever he goes and hops in the <laughs> hops in the bed of the truck on the way back. Doesn't matter if it's negative ten, just that old Coleman. Yeah. Hand me down. <laughs> He's good to go. Which, by the way, those sleeping bags are probably the best sleeping bags on this. Oh one. yeah, yeah. And you can. Uh, it's just the same everywhere you go. You know, you can sleep like a rock anywhere. So. Oh yeah. Especially <laughs> like, a guy like you. <laughs> came in very handy. Well, you guys are getting into a pretty sweet time frame coming up there in the prairies. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, your stuff's going to pick up. I mean, probably is picking up now, and pretty soon it's ice off. Late ice is fun. The whole deal. Yeah, definitely, definitely missed the walleye fishing. Didn't I? Did not do any of it last year. So definitely something I need to come and do. It's been a while. Yeah. Oh yeah, and uh, Francis Case itself is just uh, as good as I seen it i think the the size structure and stuff yeah just a lot of fish too it's uh that's that's good uh all my the clients most of them stay at fort randall hotel and casino and it's just right there on the lower end you can either fish uh below the dam at pickstown or right on the um the lake which is the uh francis case reservoir it's the same a lot of people call it chamberlain but yeah there's just a ton a ton of walleyes in there yeah yeah that that uh below the dam there is really fun mm-hmm. well it's all really fun i know but mm-hmm. love that the tailor stuff um so one thing you know i was saying i missed the ice fishing with you guys another thing i really missed is tournament fishing specifically walleye tournament fishermen or fishing against like world-class walleye anglers and we were kind of fortunate in our tournament upbringing if you will uh fishing against legitimate like champions like world walleye champions stuff like that um just south dakota 
a lot of good fishermen. Uh, the Lake Area Walleye Club was really where we cut our teeth and and learned a lot fishing against guys. And Tom branched out further and got into the National Walleye Tour, um, fished some MWC events, and just you've kind of done you've done a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, I mean, there, there's honestly probably, you know, 20 or 30 guys in the world that are, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else. They're just, you know, they can catch them any, any place that they can go. And I mean, it's been a lot of big, big learning experience, but I mean, yeah, it makes you a lot better fisherman and been able to have a little success too. And at times, so yeah, definitely, definitely really fun. And, uh, absolutely gets in your blood and what have you what's what's been your like um what's your biggest on the national stage what's your largest accomplishment as far as tournaments placing probably the nwt at winnebago i had a top five finish there i got fourth Uh, yeah that that's been a while ago though i think four or five years ago but yeah that definitely sticks out that was really cool really really cool but yeah, and then back to you know the Lake Area Walleye Club. I just want to say that's uh, bigger than ever. I, th- I think they're trying to have sixty teams. What what they have last year, Eric? They had over fifty every time. I think it was like fifty six or something like that. Fifty two, fifty six. Yeah, in the fifties. Yeah, but now now they're gunning for sixty this year, and I mean I really think they're probably going to get it, which is a full field and makes it pretty fun to have sixty boats and oh yeah, some really good competitors in that. I mean it'll be another another fun another tough year facing some of like some elite fishermen for sure and for 20 bucks a night uh you, know, you just can't beat it for most for sure for, for that you have that much fun for uh that much of an entry fee it's it's like you said they're really good and uh yeah i would just recommend that to anyone yeah that was i mean that was our training ground and not even that. It's not even like it's a training thing, you know. But it, it's affordable to the point that you can get yeah, exactly, it. exactly. It very- Everybody can do it. Yeah, that's uh, that almost makes it more competitive. Yeah, it's okay. kind of funny too. Like when I first started, it was just kind of like the first couple. I was like, oh yeah, it's gonna be fun. And then like I did a couple and did bad, and I was like, I'm gonna fucking win some you know what i mean <laughs> like you get you get it in you if you're a competitive person yeah. Oh, yeah uh yeah i was like oh i i hope i can win some right away but then eventually you're like you get into it like hardcore mm-hmm. that brought a whole new element to fishing for me and it's one thing that i definitely miss for sure about that area Cause that was awesome. Yeah. That, that's weird to me how fly fishing has been around for so long and it's really not that competitive. Is it? I mean, on ESPN, nothing. I never, <laughs> there's not it'd a competitive be, aspect to it. I don't think it'd be I mean, kind of weird. They do, they do have, um, I haven't seen it in a while, but some European stuff where they have some <laughs> tournaments, uh, <laughs> but it's just kind of goofy. It's all on like technique and how you hooked it. It's just kind of, it's weird because, how would you do that on a waiting stream, you know? Yeah. And then first the guy, whoever, yeah, whoever drew. Nudging elbows. You, or if you float, 
if you float, whoever drew before you and got to float ahead of you got got to mess with the fish first. I mean, it all come down to that same skill set where some of those best guys would still come through and catch one after so, 10 guys have already been through right. there. Somebody that's would right. have something up their sleeve different that. Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> somebody way better than, better than me. At fly <laughs> but yeah. And I was wondering, you know, how it would still evolve and stuff, but it just kind of evolved from a different way because it's super technical how they get fish to bite at all times of the year. And they're honed in a lot of bugs, but then, you think about it, and I bet a lot of those people who came up with it were the guide services or maybe, you know, I don't know, but I would think that just because there's so much money on the line and they mm-hmm. got to keep, you know, constantly evolving. And for something with no competition or seemingly no, uh, there's, I mean, there's competition on the river, but yeah. Yeah. But to have it evolve or to have it, um, you know, as in, uh, as intense and in how, uh, you know, accurate. You got to be with everything. It's just uh, pretty cool to me. Yeah, some of those bugs that they uh, got in the fly shop and uh, the time and knowing when to use them and that really small stuff. And that's just interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I get pretty competitive on the Owyhee. That's a little river. Uh, it's a tailwater stretch. Pretty legendary tailwater stretch, like thirty minutes away in Oregon. And it's like packed tight no matter what night you go, weeknight, weekday, just like you got to fight to get a hole. What's in there that everybody's after? Oh, there's some really big browns, like some 30 inch browns in there. I haven't caught the biggest I've caught in there is like a 23, I think, but I've seen them. I've seen them come and eat little trout or try to eat little trout that are up rising for bugs. So it's pretty sick, but it's like super pressured. Like don't even go there on a Saturday. But I, but people like I've never seen people be more rude in in fly fishing than that place. Like they'll come low hole you, high hole you, however they want to hole you. But it's funny whenever they come, whenever <laughs> whenever they come, uh, whenever they come do that, and then you just slay them, and then you kind of like as you're netting them, just stare at them while you're netting them. You know, give them the eyeball, a little smirk maybe. Ice fishing's been getting a little competitive too. You got guys no fishing, kidding. dude. You got guys fishing your holes because I. Oh man! When guys fish your holes, <laughs> it's bad. I would oh, say that's no. probably the closest. <laughs> that's the closest. Well, the closest I've been to fist fights have been in walleye tournaments, but the second closest is definitely ice fishing, and more realistic because I don't have to leap out of a boat in order to <laughs> just come across the, the ice. Yeah. Ice fishing is not a big deal if people are at least nice about it and just you know make a little small talk as they're coming coming in. But I mean, if they just hop out and kind of try and bully out of a spot, yeah, it's uh, frustrating. But yeah, you deal with that with guides mostly, I'm guessing. I mean, I don't know. There's good. There's you know respectful guide services and ones that aren't, and then respectful just everybody else and ones that aren't too. I'd say I don't. Sure. I wouldn't say it's more. It's not know. more. Eric, Eric might know more than me too, I guess, if, or have a different opinion. But no, it doesn't matter. It just it depends on like literally depends on the day that you're out there. Like you might run into some super nice people, you might run into some huge dickheads, or run into like Whoa. a guide service that I mean just doesn't care. You might run into a guide service that's super respectful. It's just I mean every day is a little different, but yeah. it is getting more and more competitive and. 
but still, <laughs> still the vast, vast majority of people are really cool out there. Everyone gets along for the most part, everyone. But yeah, one, there's a few people that can really stick out. Though. Yeah. It's like, and with age, like, I just don't care anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm not doing the ice fishing thing anymore, but like, what are you going to, what are you going to do? What comes out of the yeah, yelling? Absolutely. Nothing, nothing. Absolutely. Everybody's just elevated, aggressive for no reason. <laughs> I mean, it just, it's, it just doesn't matter anymore. I, I, I get fed up with it here a lot with duck hunting. So. I mean, it's you know, oh, really? people are uh, sitting. Or what's the story? I, I would I would say, other than Arkansas, it's the most people per capita I've ever duck hunted around on public land. Like, really? We're, talk, we're like, talking a boat ramp has 50, 60 boats in it on the river in the morning. Um, and there's a ramp every 15, 20 miles. So it's like a big deal. What's going on there, Eric? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so no. com- competitive wise like you know in college i would say it was that's a fairly competitive university with a lot of waterfowl hunters like you would say like mm-hmm. idaho at like a boat ramp was like a lot more competitive like people wise or just amount of the people boat ramp, the amount of people like since it is like is that like one of the main ways to get on the river is like that said boat ramp or is like as competitive competitive as like field hunting and like stuff around like South Dakota, or is it like more cutthroat there just because there's more people like at one spot or yeah, it's more cutthroat on the river. I'd say just public land river. It's really just the snake river. Cause the thing is about those ramps too, you'll see how half will be from California and then another half. So I guess another quarter of them will be from out of state and then probably a quarter Idaho in general on those. So it's a lot of guys that are uh, traveled to hunt. It seems like, cause it's such a destination to hunt the snake, you know? Um, and, and honestly, like, to be honest is most of the people, um, I wouldn't say don't know what they're doing, but, um, aren't always making the best decisions as far as, like how to hunt and stuff. So, so really it ends up being like on the competitive side, as far as killing ducks, less competitive, but just, you know, a lot more people to deal with. Just dealing with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <Hello. laughs> kind of, that's how Springfield is a little bit too. And Santee, but pretty much everyone gets along as long as you don't uh, shoot the ducks as they're swinging, <laughs> swinging on them. If, sure. any, if anybody has a duck landing in their decoys, it's pretty much you know you shoot at at will. But just don't just don't shoot at them if they're working other people. Yeah, See it's that. really that bad at Springfield where I've only been there. I think after like like later in the season when there's less people, but it's that bad to where you could shoot birds that are swinging on other setups. Oh yeah, yeah, a lot really? of mm-hmm. they're. Uh, I mean, within, I mean, because everyone watches the same birds, you know, the night before. So there's a lot of people that kind of try and set up on that spot. But yeah, I'd say there's a lot of times three, four or five boats trying to hunt within, you know, mile, couple Dang. miles of the, of the good spots. And you, you could definitely get away from them too, but 
I don't know, not as I'd I'd say there was, you know, 20, 30 boats out on the whole river, you know, on average. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not not like what you got, but it's there's definitely other hunters. Yeah. A lot bigger water than we have too. Yeah. Yeah, it's I'm not complaining about the competition there at all. Um, you know, I think you can definitely have have some really good hunting and stuff, but I've definitely noticed not to shoot other people's ducks when they're working their spread. That's just that's just an old nobody wants to do it. Yeah. <laughs> old old Indian trick there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I yeah, I've been thinking about missing those tournaments a lot. That was a good time. It was a good time. We've had we've had good ones, we've had horrible ones. We've had okay ones. Yep. Pretty typical. Got spread. a good good lineup for this year excited to not have uh say lake madison and lake sinai in there even though those can be good ones but it's a good lineup this year did well on both of those but right and they've been tougher though <laughs> yeah zero zero or hero on those it seems really like. yeah well madison's always been that way <laughs> madison's a luck game in my opinion straight up get a good one and the money yep God, that yeah, was a like one. I, I like one tournament like that. You know, you definitely don't want the whole schedule, but one one that you know one or two fish sits you real well. That they're kind of kind of fun. I don't know. I think there is one this year. Well, we'll see. What Ponson. is it? Yeah, Ponson hey. hasn't improved. It's been, I mean, last year it was it was tough. I mean, there wasn't like a ton of fish caught, but the. As always, the top ten or fifteen teams put to, put together a good bag, but that one was tougher than some of the other lakes. But looking forward to the list this year. All of them should be pretty fun. Yeah. What do you have on there? Dry two, Whitewood, Thompson, Ponset, then Bitter. Whitewood. Um, huh? Yeah. Interesting. There last year it was on there last year. But they were behind with the moisture on getting a new boat ramp in. And then, like, oh. the regular boat ramp, which we went off of, is not enough to host, like, a league event. But they're supposed to be getting it done this year. But super shallow. Like, last year in August, we went there. I mean, the entire lake was four or five foot and even ice fishing there this year. There's, like, only, like, 30 inches of water for the fish to swim around underneath the ice. But they're still in there. So Wow. I think it'll be one of those boards. nice. Yeah. There'll be some nice bags right there. There's some nice fish back there. Yeah. That's interesting too, about, uh, just South Dakota, North Dakota, those shallow, shallow lakes. Yep. Slews. Slews. Yeah. <laughs> Big slews, but they're shallow, man. Like it's kind of crazy that they can live in there actually under the ice. And a lot of times they do winter kill in those. Yeah. That I want to, I want to say a lot. I mean, no, not a lot, but yeah, it has, has happened, but for the most part, it seems like they kind of come through it. Well, it's always, so typically a winter kill does occur in those shallow lakes, right? Yeah. Like why would winter kill? I think it was only two or three years ago. But it Whitewood. was a partial? I thought, it was, I thought that was Oakwood. Whitewood. 
both of them. I think I think it was the same year, but they were partial. Yeah. But I mean, if you look at that lake, that such a like Whitewood's such a big expanse of lake that there's no way like the whole lake could have went or killed, you know. And that's and, that's caused by a lack of oxygen. Word on the street, yeah. Is Don't that correct, Tom? Sure. <laughs> Is that correct, Tom? Yeah, I think so. At uh a lot of times it's when uh all the um the weeds from the previous year die. Or uh, there gets to be a lot of snow on the ice too, I, I think. But yeah, and when the weeds sense. die, they create CO two, which takes the oxygen out, and then the fish something die. Like I, sure. Yeah, I can't exactly remember something like that. Oh, it gives them like carbon poisoning. Hmm. Well, I think it just takes the oxygen out of the water when they decay. I think it takes oh. the oxygen out of the water, and it's not creating any more. Right. We we've been minnow trapping at Oakwood when they was all killing and like all the fish were going up to the culvert. You could just see them as they were dying and turn. They're still alive, but just in terrible shape and all just right there. Yeah. So. They all go to that running water. Yeah. Talk about the Huron deal for a little bit, Eric. That uh, Yeah. I mean, we should touch base on that. Um, that, that I, I'm surprised that they all died from that much running water, that the water was moving still. That, so, I mean, what, what happened was, I mean, this is, there's been a lot of, discrepancies on what happened so like in the town of Huron they had what would be like considered a drop dam where the water would come over like a three-foot drop which created like a whirlpool action and the city of Huron was worried about having that undertow if there's a lot of people that fish it if someone were to fall into that they would get sucked under so they did like a whole reconstruction of this and made it more of like a grade dam where they put like red rock in over like a 15 yard section instead of having the drop. So then it runs across the rocks, making it more. So like if someone fell in, they wouldn't get swept under the current. But what happened this year is there was like a winter kill, probably suspected upstream of the James river where all those fish floated down and which the river winter kills normally about probably every year, every couple of years, low water years. But all those fish washed down and washed up onto those rocks. And if there would have been the drop dam, they probably just would have been washed down. Nobody would have seen them. But those 15 yards of rocks literally displayed thousands and thousands of rough fish right in the town of Huron. And really was a sore, sore eye for the community of Huron. But, I mean, a lot came out of it. There was, I mean, hundreds of people down there collecting those fish. I mean, there's a lot of people picking up the carp and gar and taking them home and eating them. But I think it was something that probably happens every year on the river, but it was just like right in the town of here on that. I mean, it was, <laughs> if you were like, just look on the Facebook comments, I mean, everybody's blaming like the town of here on for ruining the dam, um, that they ruined the whole river system, which in the light of things, I mean, it was just a low water year, the river winter killed, and then just unfortunately displayed all those fish right into the center of town. I mean, Kello Land from Sioux Falls came up and did a story on it. I think it, and, no, it uh, made national news. It national made, news. I mean, <laughs> big deal. It was a sight to see. I mean, so a lot of people were like very fired up that people were just down there collecting them. But at the same time, like, a lot of people were eating those fish and utilizing that resource. And it, it was a lot of rough fish. I mean, I went down there and looked around, like maybe you seen like one pike or 
or one catfish, but it was just, I mean, 10,000 gar and 10,000 Asian drum all just, I mean, it's been going on for months now. And you go down there, it was just drove by the other day and there was 15 people down there with a five gallon bucket still picking. They're still picking them up. Like, I mean, there's still thousands of fish on the rocks. <laughs> it's cool that it's being utilized. Like it is kind of lucky I, it happened in Huron because if it happened in some other little town. It right. Would. I mean, I think it happens all the time that you just don't see it. And then yeah. that biomass gets washed down and then they probably float to the bottom or like go up into a farmer's field or go into a bend where nobody sees them. But it just happened to be that grade of a dam that they created. I mean, perfectly laid them on top <laughs> of all those dead fish is laid on top and yeah everybody thought it was the dam's fault but those fish were getting washed out dead and then i mean i do know some guys in town were down there spearing walleyes on that little crack that was coming out i mean they were spearing live fish so not all the fish died nice. it wasn't the city of huron's fault it was just like winter kill upstream that just they just happened to float down there and then that that particular structure just kind of held them up for a lot of people to use, utilize a bunch of carp. And I mean, literally probably fell fed hundreds of people in the town. So kind of good to see. And everybody wanted game and fish to come out and scoop them all up. Like that was everybody in town. That's what they wanted. Like the game and fish wanted, they they caused this, they have to come in and pick it up. And of course, I mean, they were down there, they were checking people. And then it was funny to see, as it evolved, people were keeping like the gar until they realized that they were probably pretty tough to eat. And then as the days went on and you got down there, people were like filling up their bucket with carp only. And then they had a huge dumpster down there that just said fish on it. And I mean, they, they were just throwing the rough fish in there, keeping what they wanted. And I mean, it was definitely a spectacle to see. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's still Sounds going like on. It. Like there's still people down there picking them up. Are, are the so, fish just freshly dying every day or would you say? I think it's definitely slowed down. I think when it happened, it was like a mass kill of like when it happened and then they all just floated down there at one time. I mean, you don't see any more because when, when it first started, like some of them were still like kind of flopping around. Like people were carrying out like live carp that were just barely moving. But now there's still a lot there. I mean, I, I bet there's like right now currently like probably like 2000 dead gar laying down there that everything else has been picked up. You think they're, no one, you, you think they're picking up like old ass carcasses that washed down from like North Dakota or something? I don't think so. I think it all happened within like, I would say, and from like people in town that have talked to just a meeting of the minds of what all happened because we don't actually really know, but that's our our guess is that at winter kill, and I bet most of those fish wash down within maybe like one to five miles from upstream. You know, like it was a small die off, but it all just happened to be displayed right in the middle of town. You know, probably happens along the whole river, but you just don't see it. Oh, whether they're yeah. under the ice or anything like that. You know, only the dirty funny. yamas <laughs> right. would winter kill as a river <laughs> for sure. It, I mean, it is like probably one of the only rivers that actually winter kills. <laughs> Spear and walleyes that it sounds fun though. That's cool. Somebody, there, there's I, a I few can't guys believe you didn't do that. I can't believe you didn't figure that out first. I mean, I like catching them, but spearing them, it's, I mean, kind of, I guess the same thing if you're bringing them home, but I don't right. like them too much for the spear. Is it, is it legal? I don't. 
It's got to be. It legal. is. They, yeah. they changed that. Didn't they have changed that like six years ago? They yeah. did. I mean, I think there's only a couple lakes you can't spear on just because of the the muskies. But now I think most game fish you can spear. And yeah. Nice. More, more people are getting into it for sure. I mean, more spears this year. Within the last couple of years, I would say more like spearing's get to be like a growing sport. Yeah. Say the crappie bite lake. You go to that. There is legitimate 500 blocks of ice or 500 sticks out there everybody's spearing out there i mean you have to like literally walk through the blocks of ice and the sticks out there where people are spearing remember we cool remember we used to just drill viewing holes though yeah we i mean now would be the time to do it more than ever all these sloughs it it's been tough this year because all these sloughs are super shallow and super clear I mean, it, it's been tougher for a, like a daytime bite because of that. But this would be the time that you should be doing the viewing hole. Like just the other day, we were fishing some shallow water crappies, and it's so shallow that like using a vexlar is almost impossible. Like we started like looking down the hole. Guys have been doing that. We haven't really been doing it, and started doing it just to check it out, switch it up, and. You'd be amazed how many crappies swim by that don't bite you, really? and then one comes in and bites it. I mean, just with that dumb look on their face. That... Yep, <laughs> actually, you nailed it. That's what they look like. <laughs> Some of them would like swim by so close to it, they would they would like move the jig with the swimming of their body, like they they would literally like hit it with their body and not pay attention. Then the fifth one by would just decide to eat it weird it might be it might be some of those some of those light bites you're feeling the tail flicker <laughs> and you actually that one thing and then watched a couple literally bite it like half an inch away but it would move your lure like they would just open their mouth enough that it would move a lure or they would bite in a millimeter of it and then swim away so those bites that you feel i mean are definitely it's a little like, like literally like oh like the weakest little Ooh. bite and then it's like ooh, the, the fifth one would come by and then just inhale it, you know. So I don't know what yeah. causes that, or if they're in different moods or what. But very, like all the lakes are pretty freaking clear. Like, I mean, a lot of lakes in eight, ten foot, you can without even really getting down in the hole, you can just look down to the bottom and see it. Hmm. No freshwater shrimp either. So I don't know what's going on. That's interesting. <laughs> you, all, you you do wonder if like the neonics the neonicotinoids have have an adverse effect on those freshwater shrimp i know they have an adverse effect on a lot of i'm sure there's some study on invertebrates going on aquatic invertebrates and what what did you just say right there what was the uh so that's in um uh, like fertilizer and chemicals uh, put on for farming um, it's just like a compound of it, uh, neonicotinoid, and it's it's killing a lot of bugs. Uh, they've found out uh, really? through some studies, yeah. So they're a little worried about that. Um, but yeah. that'd make total sense of why you don't see that kind anymore because the lakes we talked about that you would drill holes and get shrimp in. If you look around the entire lake, all it is is farm ground that drains into the lake. Yeah. Yeah, so it could be an adverse effect of fertilizers on freshwater shrimp. But sounds like there's still fish, so they're finding food in other areas. Um I just remember those big perch used to puke out those freshwater shrimp. 
every time you'd pull them up, the big ones are puking 15 out, you know? Yeah. And in your hole, if you were like set up, there would be like 50 of them swimming around in your hole. That doesn't yeah. happen oh, yeah. anymore. Yeah. Like haven't seen that anywhere and checked a lot of lakes out. Haven't seen right. that one time. Right. Okay. So something I wanted to talk about, cause I have you guys on uh live scope and how it has changed ice fishing. I mean, game changer, 100%. Like, okay, so pre, so let's go back to college when we had our little blue box FL8s and gas 50 pound augers we were hauling around in sleds. <laughs> what would you say, like, percent increase of your success because of live scope? I mean, one lake in particular, Thomas will attest to this too. Um, 100% catch increase by going out and doing this. I mean, same lake we used to fish often in college. You would never see anybody out in the main basin anymore because it's too expansive. Now, I mean, there's hundreds of people out there and those fish can't hide anymore. Like, it's, it's a game changer. Like, you can go out there spend what we used to do i mean i can think of numerous times drilling like a huge tip up line or not a tip up line huge drill a huge line of holes or like a horseshoe of holes and then we'd take turns hole hopping spend an hour you know fishing 15 holes now you can literally pull up check out that area in 15 seconds and then move on and i mean then when you find those fish it's it's pretty much like game over and I'll be interested to see this year. It's been, I mean, the one lake has been such a good bite and like finding those out there. If, if you're in the right area, I mean, you do look at a lot of holes that don't have any fish in them, but if you find those fish, I mean, it's pretty much game over and I'll be curious to see this bite that has been going on for, since we were in college, what will happen this year? I mean, I fished it close to probably 10 times and done well out there. Like, Everybody else is doing that as well that has a forward-facing sonar. Like, if they're out there, we were out there with some, there was other guide services, and I mean, everybody was, I mean, we are out there, there was 100 people doing the 55 foot that way, 30 foot this way, 70 foot that way, and I mean, those fish literally couldn't hide. I mean, everybody was catching them, like, next year, if, I mean, we've already seen since that's been going on in December, like, just was out there the other day and those schools aren't out there anymore. Like, I mean, thousands and thousands of fish have been caught because of forward facing sonar out in that area where you never seen anybody anymore because it was just too expansive. Crazy to think about, especially for the future. Like what does that hold? If they came up with that, what do they come up with next? I don't really know how you, you know, we're not, we don't know how that's going to something to catch, catch something, catch them for you. Pretty yeah. much. It, it does. It does bring up an ethic, uh, not question per se, maybe not ethics is the right word, but efficacy. Um, like, are we going to get too good at catching fish with technology? I mean, that potential is serious. Like the guys I've been out fishing with, we've been talking about that. Like, I mean, live scope, Three years ago, you would maybe see like one or two people that had it. And it was like, holy shit. Now, like 
out on this bite, every crew had like one or two of them. Like yeah. pretty much everybody that goes out, like seems like they have one in their truck now. Becoming a necessity. Why? Yeah. why I mean, would you, would you fish without it now? If you were going to a lake? You pretty much can't, right, Tom? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I don't think ice fishing, especially, but even open water. Yeah, I don't. I mean, once you once you know what's out there, it's hard to think. You know, you just find yourself looking at it so much. I guess, and it it does help a lot with fish and uh, casting, and people are using it in, uh, to troll and all other type of ways too. But that basically just being able to see a fish and casting right on it has uh, really been winning a lot of tournaments. It's it's badass too, and yeah, oh yeah, and it, it's a ton of fun. Once you, it, it's harder than you think to get the hang of it too. It, oh, it uh, is like you don't just like get one and you like automatically catch fish. Like that's right. not that's not it. Like you still have to be able to like the hardest thing is just finding them, and it eliminates so much time. Like we talk about now, like what I talked about before, we would like you know drill fifteen holes, and then we'd all take turns fishing those, and then like you'd catch one and set up shop. Yeah, I mean, you don't do that anymore. Like you don't stop unless you see something. You don't even pull your rods out of the case unless it's like, damn, there's 10 fish or there's 20 fish. Let's go after those. Like it's just completely different. Yeah. The first time you were talking about ice fishing with me or with it to me, Eric, last year, you were like describing some things and I was like, whoa, I was like, so what happens when a truck comes by and you're like, they swim away. And I was like, really? You know, like just like I mean, it's... little basic stuff that like you've always wondered about in your head are now literally being like answered for you guys. Like, Oh yeah. I'd... Where are they? What are they doing? Blah, blah, blah. Does this pressure hurt them? It's crazy. I'm sure, before that existed, I'm sure that I uh, drilled too many holes. Like I would scare them. I didn't even definitely know. for sure. That's an interesting take. I didn't know that, but it makes sense. They do react to probably the vibration of whatever. Do you I mean, have you noticed thing, it from walking? Yeah, one big thing Everything. we notice uh like thin ice, clear water, like no snow cover. Like you can drill a hole, see seven, eight fish like sixty feet away. It's like twenty yards away. And then so someone will watch that. You'll go try to like drill a hole on top of them to potentially catch them, right? As you're walking over there, the fish scatter. But okay. when you're in an area like that, that there's enough fish around, we found out. I mean, one time this year, all we did was kept chasing those schools and we didn't catch anything because we just kept scaring them. Then we went back to that area. They were there, then set up didn't move around a lot had bobber rods down couple tip-ups jigged and then it was like 15 minutes later once everything calmed down then you would get those fish to swim through you'd catch one here catch one there but like we spent almost an entire day chasing those and i mean you would drill you would see them and just walking over there like you would walk over there first couple cranks of the auger those fish you could literally see them like disappear and swim away so and that I mean, was when the auger when the auger started or as you were walking to them both i mean literally both i mean you would see them like even like 30 fish there'd be 30 fish between you know 40 and 80 feet away and you would walk over and try to drill in the middle of them i mean as soon as you started drilling like you'd look back at the guy looking and he'd already be shaking his head like they disappeared they're not there anymore that tom was always giving me shit for you know <laughs> 
being loud and drinking too much. And I, I understand now. <laughs> he was right. He was right. <laughs> All along, he was right. <laughs> he was right. Uh, a lot of people think too, well, Jared Fredericks in particular, he's a real firm believer that, uh, that sonar, um, you know, you can hear it ticking on, on any sonar, mm-hmm. but the forward facing, he thinks that that scares them too. So like once he sees them and drills on them and they're sitting put, he like either turns it away from them or shuts it off. Um, so, I mean, Oh, the forward I've is really, <laughs> that yeah, makes sense. I've, I've had it pointed at him a long, a long time too, but, and, and still caught a lot of fish, but I don't know. It seems to work for him sometimes too no kidding i mean i haven't even thought of that or heard of that but i mean i, I could believe it <laughs> as spooky just as they a, are it's such you know, a strong it's such a strong signal that thing's putting out he's thinking like they think they can feel it on their lateral line or what that it's like bouncing off like they would feel like a a bait fish or i don't know bait? people have been like a lot of people that bass fish tournaments and are really really shallow they shut all their electronics off you know they've been doing that for decades so i don't know if there's something to it or not probably is but you know who's really good at forward facing sonar probably the best out everyone at the lake area walleye club is jason stall oh really he he is so good on it he's won a lot of tournaments with it too and uh he's just a animal ice fishing he he gets them almost every time he tries but so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he all has to say about it too. He's a he's a real cool guy and good fisherman, and pretty much will tell you anything you ask him too. But uh, yeah, it's just interesting. There's a lot of stuff, and kind of back to your original topic. I kind of I think that the fisheries will be all right. I don't think anything drastic will have to change for uh, regulations. I really don't. But I could be wrong, too. I mean, lakes especially are pretty susceptible, and crappies as a species themselves are pretty susceptible just because they suspend a lot and they're so easy to see on that. But I don't know. I think for the most part, I think everything will be fine. Like in a river, it's really hard to use. Um, The Great Lakes, Lake Erie, where everyone's trolling, you you would think that you'd just be able to cast and just pick off every single fish out there, too. But, I mean, Max Wilson was telling me that he can't do it. He see, you really? know, he has to troll out there. So, I mean, it has limitations too. And there's, it's just a, another tool that is uh, lethal in some aspects, you know, but it's definitely not a, you know, cure all thing that you can do every single time. It's, it, time. it's just bizarre to me because I haven't ice fished with it to think there's like something now that like you basically have to have to go. It's, it's so good. Ice fishing. It is so good. Yeah. And, and who knows? I could be wrong. They might have to change regulations. I know they're doing a lot of studies right now in Kansas on the effects of it, but I don't know what – I haven't really been keeping I've, like, read to see what happens or anything. But I think Tom is right. that like I don't think they're going to have to change regulations or anything. Like I'll be curious to see like this case study on the lake we've been talking about if, you know, four or 500 people every weekend out there doing this will affect that population, but – with the walleyes and the perch, like they're, it's it's going to be like the forward facing sonar isn't like a crippling thing to their population because what we've seen from it, like they're spooky enough, at least the perch and the walleyes, it's hard to like spot them on there per se. That I mean, they're going to be all right. That it's it's going to take a lot to really wipe those down. But so what's the crappies the can't hide. So walleyes are the spookiest fish. 
Uh, I wouldn't say that because it's it's hard to see them on there. Like you don't so low to the to the yeah. A lot of times, like you really don't see them. But like the perch, I mean, that thin ice. I mean, it's amazing when you drill on them. Like even in the shallow water, even putting the pole down, you'll see fish swimming away from it. Really, (laughs) I was thinking. You know, actually, that brings me back to to the tank. Remember the tank in college? Yeah. They were kind of like that, right? Like walleyes just hung out on the bottom. That was kind of their little stealth mode. And the perch were all kind of bumpy. You know, they'd hop in and out of the weeds, be a little spooky. And then you had Grim, and he was just <laughs> a freak. Grim. <laughs> and then Lars would hang out in the log. Yeah, Lars was in the log, came out at night. Only until at night. until the light was switched off. And as soon as the light was off, he was out about. <laughs> Lars was a bullhead for people listening to this. <laughs> yeah, they had a sweet they had a sweet tank at uh, the migration was the name of the house in college. And we would um hang out with uh beverages and stuff of our choice after class sometimes. And a and, scoop uh, of minnows. A scoop of minnows and that was cheap entertainment. Buck fifty at the, at the local <laughs> gas station got us a lot of entertainment. I don't. I still don't know. I maybe I shouldn't talk too much on. Well, it's probably statute of limitations are off now, as far as how we got those fish. But uh, yeah, we had a tank full of freshwater species. <laughs> I think legality. It was all good as long as we weren't over. Our oh yeah, we limit, we right? kept them. We just didn't kill them, right? Yeah, and we didn't. We, just we didn't be over our possession. And we didn't. And we didn't stock them anywhere else. Basically, right. what we did was while we ice fished, if we caught a tiny ass fish, <laughs> we would stick it in this tank. And we ended up having a bullhead. Perch. Yeah, two perch, right? Like four we started, but I think ended up with two. Ended up with two, <laughs> two survivors. Four, well, how many walleyes? No, one walleye was all? One walleye. He was a dink. He was, he was kind of a turd. He'd eat every <laughs> so, now and then. <laughs> and then the pike. He was the uh, definitely the star of the show. Definitely. And one time, we were feeding him, <laughs> all very intently staring at him. <laughs> you can envision uh, a bunch of twenty-one-year-olds, about fifteen of us in a circle, staring at this tank <laughs> as the first minnow enters. <laughs> and this minnow's coming down. A pike and a perch line up on it, both looking at it at the same time. And well, same freaking instant, same time. The pike had the perch in its mouth. They both went for the for the minnow at once, and we just stood stood there and went. Oh! It was so exciting. It wasn't. It was, it was amazing. How long? Still was that? vivid. I can see it. Yeah, right I know. Now. I, mean, I can picture it. How long did the pike have the perch in its mouth? It was a few minutes. I know we that thought, pike, we that, thought they were both gonna die. That perch was never the same after that. He laid oh. on the bottom. I think we eventually got rid of him after that. He, he hid in the corner. In the corner. <laughs> he lost all of his confidence in life. All of like I'm pretty sure he got like pale and we got rid of him. Yeah, he's just sickly and dying, <laughs> wouldn't eat anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was quite the quite the deal. That was cool. Well, I need to get uh I need to get out there fishing. Gotta do some filming. Definitely. 
definitely want to go ice fishing. We should plan something next year. I don't think I can this year, but next year we should do something. And I'd yeah, love to do I'd love to do some summer stuff too. Be fun. Definitely. You guys yeah. should come to the Columbia. Columbia and Cascade. I mean, two oh, yeah, Cascade. To come out too. It's an hour and a half away. I went one time. It's pretty I sad. Mean, definitely need to come out there and try that. Yeah. I don't have my, my crew here anymore. So definitely no one, not many people to ice fish with around. So, yeah. Got a lot of options, though. I mean, it's tough to just pick that when you have so many other things you can do out there. There is a lot of shit to do. Yeah. That's the one thing here. You get winter, you can either sit at home or go ice fishing. That's right. There's like one thing to do. <laughs> maybe froze till April this year, maybe even May. <laughs> it's pretty cold. Is it not letting up there or what? Well, there we looked the other there's 29 inches of ice the other day. Hmm. Right by Clark. But did see Monday seen the first solo honker up there. Oh. Flying around. Oh. Oh, just looking, one looking giant site. The giant one. I mean, was probably looking for that muskrat hut, but there's eight yep. inches of snow on top of it. Yep. Probably went back to Sioux Falls and he'll be back in a couple weeks. Ice eater. Um <laughs> yeah. Well, Tom also, yeah, just uh shout out to Tom's what talk about your guide service and what you do. Yeah, you can look it up on Thomas Larson Fishing on Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, I mainly fish on Francis case reservoir and Lewis and Clark Lake, uh, and the river that, uh, goes in between them. So it's, it's good. It's good walleye fishing. And, uh, Francis case is, I would say excellent. And Tom is a river rat, uh, and he'll get them and he gets them every day. So buddy, listen, man, I mean, book your trip now. Go with Tom, check it out. Beautiful scenery, awesome fish. Give him a call, look him up, go do it. For sure. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for coming on. Sweet talking yeah, to you. Thank you. We're talking to you too. Peace. Peace. Peace.